Geekville Radio. Hello once again, all you ladies and gentlemen, geeks and geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Xandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio. A little bit of a different show this time around. It's a new year. New episode, same Mega Man Tron-like uh, intro music, but I got a couple of guests here. No Crazy Train, we'll be doing another show soon about The Mandalorian, but this will be our second show about Star Wars Episode Nine: uh, The Rise of Skywalker, and these are two guys that I, I can say I'm friends with in real life, and we've talked about Star Wars off and on over the years. They've all been in early episodes of Geekville. So uh, let me first introduce uh, Real March Hare, uh, Andy or Andrew. Uh, how you been? It's been a while since I think since we've recorded anything together. It's been years. I want to say episode seven, something like yeah. Out. I don't think even I, I think I haven't been around since then. I don't think I ever did anything for Rogue One or Last. I know I didn't do the Last Jedi or Solo. Yeah, it's been a long time. And uh, my other guest, we're kind of crossing the streams here because he's a host of one of the other shows in the Wrestling Brethren family, and that is Norco Kipti. Norco, welcome back to Geekville. Thanks for having me, man. Just like Andrew, it's been a long time since I've been on, since what? Either the Dragon Ball or uh, Robotech episodes. <laughs> yeah, something like I think we I think we did a uh, you know the the superhero Super Bowl at some point in, uh, in the last couple of years. Yeah, but that, that yeah, too. that might have been the last uh, thing we 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 did as far as Geekville goes. Now, I think we're all in agreement. I mean, I'll I'll be rather brief in what I liked and didn't like just because I already did a show with Train on that. But the best way I can sum up Rise of Skywalker is it was the most like what I thought a sequel trilogy film should have. And it really, it felt the most like a movie George Lucas would have done. I mean, do you think that's fair to say, or am I off the mark on that? Or uh, I'd say it felt the most like Star Wars to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, episode seven felt like Star Wars, but as has been said before, it's only felt like Star Wars because it was just a new hope with a fresh coat of paint. It's pretty easy to feel like you are what you are when you're just a remake. I'd say this mm-hmm. was, it felt the most like Star Wars as new original content. And it's what I, I would, yes, have expected from a sequel trilogy, more of this kind of storytelling and adventure than what we got with the previous two. Yeah, I agree with Andrew. I just, yeah, it, it felt more like it. Although I'm one of the very few that actually liked Last Jedi where it was trying to go with it, but I, I don't mind the return to this style as well. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely agreed on both counts. And just just so you know, uh, anybody that's listening to this about Last Jedi, I mean, obviously we'll bring it up, but I think we're not going to try to rip on Last Jedi. We're just going to, you know, we're going to concentrate on Episode Nine. There's lots of other stuff if people want to continue Last Jedi talk. But uh, I think really the whole idea with Palpatine coming back, I don't really have a problem with it because if you are going to close out the quote, Skywalker saga, unquote, you basically you have two choices. You either bring back the original villain or you try to create somebody new and put enough heat on that villain to somehow encompass all all nine movies. So I think in trying to wind things up in one movie, I think that really was the most logical way to go. I mean, what, what do you think about that, Andrew? Uh, I would say bringing him back uh, kind of came out of the field, but I'm not angry about it. He's a great villain for, as you said, you're dealing with, this is supposed to be the end of the Skywalker saga. 
Skywalker saga more or less exists because of him as a villain. He sets into motion Anakin being found. He sets mm-hmm. into motion Anakin more or less being put into the positions he's in and sets into motion Anakin becoming Vader. He then controls the galaxy and has the whole entire reason episodes four, five, and six even exist. So now it only makes sense that uh, at the end of it, this new first mysterious first order that apparently if you didn't read the books, we're all still confused as hell as to where it came from until now. Mm-hmm. Turns out it's all his brainchild still as well. It makes sense that he is that villain. I know some people are going to be like, where did he come from? It just came out of nowhere, but yeah, I don't know. They didn't, you didn't really see his body disintegrate at the end of Jedi. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I take into the theory of like Dark Empire, which I know is no longer canon, but I, I think it was Dark Empire, the old Dark Horse mm-hmm. comic yes, that had him where like he cloned. Gets cloned. Yeah. Yes, yeah. So, I, you know, I figured that's somehow, some way he found a way to survive because that's, you know, he's Sith, so... He kind of hinted at it at uh, three also, so I had no problem with it. You know, I didn't need explanation. Didn't need to go longer than it than actually was. I uh, I'm glad you brought up Dark Empire because I was considering bringing that up. Uh, <laughs> I would have if you guys more, didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing more or less a media blackout when it comes to any video games, movies, TV shows, etc. I'm interested in because too much shit gets given away before the release now. So. I'm not. I haven't even been looking into people's responses after because I, I just saw the movie yesterday. Palpatine being back, and I'm waiting for the people inevitably who call themselves Star Wars fans to be like, "This doesn't make sense." He was thrown down the shaft, blah blah blah. And I'm gonna be like, "Yeah, but you're all pissed that Legends got created and Legends had him come back as a clone." And this movie opens up with Ray floating in air. We all know the Force can control. You can use the Force to like control your descent. That's also in the Legends canon. So what's so stopped them from being thrown into that shaft and as he's falling, just using the force to control his fall and land safely, get off and go into hiding because he's all screwed up now. And not only that, using the force to control your fall. Luke did that in Empire Strikes Back. There you go. You know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Now, I think the explanation in Dark Empire does kind of fall in line with what Rise of Skywalker did, because it wasn't just simply that he was cloned. It was that they had these cloned bodies, and somehow he was able to transfer his essence into these clones. And he even uses the term essence at the the end of the movie when he's talking to Ray. So, in the end, when you're dealing with a movie series that talks about destroying planets and all these, uh, you know, strong am I in the Force, but not that strong, like implying that you can be immortal if you're strong enough with the Force, I don't really think it's a big deal to bring back a dead villain. No, not at all, especially since the uh, whole entire, again, this is Legends, though it's slowly becoming canon. Uh, the Old Republic, dealing with the uh, Sith versus the Republic and that, the Sith Emperor in that is centuries upon centuries old, and the reason he's so old is he uses the Force to drain the life essence of other Jedi and Sith he keeps in prisons. Right. So, I mean, yeah, you're dealing with ultimate magic here, people. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, we, we saw that in the third act there when he's Palpatine is zapping Ray and Ben's life force, essentially. And, you know, he's regrowing and, and, like, getting his whole body so he doesn't have to zip around to that anti-gravity meat hook or whatever it was he was, he was hanging on. But that is also... Now, granted, I believe it's still Legends, but the Darth Plagueis novel depicts that that whole thing of him being able to cheat death that's what he would do is he'd be able to suck life force out of people and it would essentially uh de-age him and that's how he's able to be like 100 years old and not look 100 years old right 
they're drawing more and more from legends uh and it's not just in these movies it's clearly mm-hmm. in the tv shows as well with disney plus's release i was finally able to watch rebels and season one of resistance and there's so much that's being done in these of uh people starting to bring back what everyone got upset got erased that it's mind-boggling to me to see these people who are upset that that was all erased are now complaining and about it being used right like what <laughs> well you know just just briefly with me when i hear people complaining about uh legends being tossed out of the door it's like welcome to my world i've been reading comics for over 30 years stuff gets rebooted all the time you know <laughs> <laughs> norker i'm sure you're uh, with me on that one too right <laughs> yeah yeah uh, don't don't get me started the new 52 <laughs> <laughs> rebirth yep <laughs> And then crisis Infinite crisis, crisis, where yep, where they just go crisis back to where they were. Infinite <laughs> crisis, final crisis. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy! So uh, now there are a few criticisms that I do think were were valid. I mean, I I remember somebody made the analogy of it was like if Avengers Endgame was two and a half hours instead of three hours, that uh, it, it probably would have felt more like a highlight reel. It seems like if this movie had another half hour to it, it probably would have felt less like a highlight reel. I mean, do you guys agree with that? Or uh, At any point, that I never really felt like it was a highlight reel, though that it does bring another point in the question I was going to bring up. But in regards to this, no, I mean, an extra half hour could probably have helped with a little bit of story development on a few things, but I don't think there's too much that they really needed that extra time to... Half hour seems like a lot. Seems like mm-hmm. a lot to have tacked onto that to me. I didn't. I didn't feel like it was a highlight reel. I felt I got everything I wanted, and I mean, there was a okay. couple of things I would. Ex- the, uh, the only thing I would explain would would probably would have taken what a minute, maybe even less than that. Is what uh, that? This is one of my things. I think we're gonna, we're going to get to it, but I'm going to say it now. The what was Finn going to say to Ray? They teased it throughout the movie, and we never really hear it. Yeah, I I think it was that he he was realizing he was force sensitive because there were those nuggets in there where he's like, oh, I just I I feel it, you know. So I think that's what he was trying to say. And I know there's the shippers that were trying to turn into a love thing. And I I understand that, God, you know, (laughs) no, 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 no. I'll say that that is one thing from Jedi that I'm glad they didn't that they didn't bring back was that that tease and the tease of him and it's forced mm-hmm. i didn't want no forced romance it, it seemed forced to me that they were trying to force a romance mm-hmm. uh i feel like actually the romance of this one was forced because <laughs> uh, if you really look at it by the end of it all three of them are paired off with someone poe they introduced the zuri character out of left field i mean she may be in the books but i haven't read the newer books and that's one of my gripes with this new trilogy is there's a lot of information that's contained in the books now I, I fully believe in if you really like something, go ahead and read it all, absorb it all. But the general public doesn't do that. And to tell a proper story, you can't leave crucial information out of the film and require people to go read or do something outside their normal media. And that's that's unfortunately what it seems like they've done with this. So I don't know if the Zuri character has been introduced, but out of left field, suddenly Poe's got this girl and he's interested in her. Uh, apparently they have a thing. By the end of it, Finn, and yes, the things he wants to tell her was partially Force-sensitive, but I'm pretty sure it was trying to say I love you, because they were hinting at a romance for them within Episode 7, and a mm. little in Episode 8, but not much. But by the end, he's got another trooper who's the same as him, that there's clearly starting to be something there, possibly. And then Ray has been by the end of it, and 
I mean, he dies, but right. And all, I was like, that's a little convenient that all three kind of have their own thing now, so that there's no more inner struggle amongst the fans because you had the people who wanted Finn and Ray, you had the people who wanted Ray and Poe, and you had the people who wanted Finn and Poe. And it was like, well, mm-hmm. none of them get each other. <laughs> they all get <laughs> right. I'll, I'll take that. I mean, but with Finn, the Finn I don't know, maybe it's just me, but with Finn, I felt more like it wasn't more of a relationship type of thing. It was more of a kinship that she was an ex-First Order trooper as well. And that's where they got that bond. You know, you kind of have a bond with somebody just because Something it could. Like it could. It it was still felt like he was paired off with her though. Maybe not romantically, yeah. but it did seem like he was finally he was paired off with her to distance him from. Ray. I can agree with that. Yeah. Now, as far as the highlight reel goes, with ta- with uh, you mentioning extra time on the film, I think Abrams made a big mistake in this one, and it's one of the mistakes that, in my opinion, uh, hurt eight. They mentioned a time frame window. They need to stop doing that and giving set time frames on accomplishing shit because until eight hyperspace travel had always been kind of known to it's not instantaneous it can take a few days to make your trip it takes a while suddenly they all of episode eight apparently happened in like a day according like from what they were saying because they kept giving you we have this many hours of fuel left we have this many hours of fuel left and at no point was that ever over like 24 hours which means raided everything on that planet with luke in that 24-hour window, and made it to them, and Finn and Rose went off on their little adventure on a casino planet. And apparently, it all ha- I'd have to go watch it again. I only saw it once, but it really do recall it seemed to be like a one-day window. And then this, apparently this whole thing happens in 16 hours. <laughs> all of this happened in 16 hours. Because right away, they're like, yeah, we got 16 hours before this uh, new order is launched. And I'm like, oh, wow, okay. So this is going to be a quick trip. And then I'm like, wait, day to night, a couple times. What about that 16 hours? And when does hyperspace become instantaneous transportation? I think they even said back in A New Hope that it was like, it, I, I want to say it was like 10 hours between Tatooine and Alderaan. I, I, I seem to recall they were saying something about that, roughly that amount of time. But uh, you know, yeah. I don't think they ever said a time in A New Hope, but I think it's implied that that was more than a day's journey. Because there's training that Luke does with Kenobi for a while on the ship. That's part of the that was part of their whole entire Luke gaining his power was he did actually get trained by Kenobi and more than just seeing him deflect some blaster bolts. There was more to it. Um, the old stuff, the, the the original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, they avoided time frames more or less. These last two movies brought in time frames, and it's one of the knocks I have on Episode Nine is brought in a time frame, and it really makes things wonky with your storytelling at that point. When you're talking about intergalactic travel. <laughs> well, that was going to bring me to my my next thing. Uh, kind of you know things that people have uh, complained or maybe things that we might have noticed that, uh, that, that didn't add up. Because I have seen a, a lot of blogs and a lot of videos on YouTube that a lot of people seem to make a big deal out of the TIE fighter that... It, it, they implied that he flew a TIE fighter from the Death Star wreckage to Exegol. And, of course, people that study the books and the gaming material and all that, a lot of TIE fighters don't have the hyperdrive and you know, or life support and all that. And me, just trying to look at this from a movie-making standpoint, it's like, well, who do you make the movie for? The, peop- the vast minority of the audience that, that is into this stuff or the average moviegoer that's going to be like, oh, a new Star Wars movie. So I didn't think it was that big of a plot hole. And the other thing that I had thought is, 
you know, well, hey, there, there are other first order ships. They don't know that he's gone back to the light side. So he can just say, hey, I need to, you know, he could dock there with the, the TIE fighter on a first order ship, get zipped over to Exegol and then take the tie again to, to fly down where he needed to be. So I don't know if, if you guys had any thought on that. Well, the newer TIE ships actually have shields and hyper, some of them have hyperdrives and whatnot. That's been determined in the extra materials. I know that much. Uh, my bigger concern is just how did he get off that death, that planet? Did he find a TIE fighter in the wreckage? Did he get off the wreckage somehow and go find a local ship? Uh, to me, the bigger issue there is just how did he get off the planet, but it's kind of unimportant. He got off the planet. You knew he was going to. I don't, I don't give a damn about the TIE, because anyone who's also saying previous TIE fi- old model TIE fighters, because a lot of people are, I'm guessing, assuming he's using an old model because he found it on the Death Star wreckage, or it would be the old model. Rebels has already, which is canon, has already rewritten uh, how those ties work. There are so many sequences in Rebels where they are flying around in ties out in space without helmets or any life support system. Well, there which you I go. Mean, those tie fighters actually have life support systems in there now. Although I think at one point in Rebels they mentioned they don't. A little confusing. I'm sure some of that may have been they just they don't have the helmets, so you can see better who it is you're dealing with. I don't know. If you're if Rebels is canon and they're able to do that, there you go. Like life support, who cares? I, I don't. That's that's a nitpick point. I agree because it was just. I mean, you could just look at Force Awakens, and it's like thirty years since that since uh, Jedi. In thirty thirty plus years, tech can change, and you can make adjustments and all that. Since then, you could have learned about the technology. So I I didn't need any explanation about it. I just just took it at for face value and just went on. We already knew the Empire was working on putting hyperdrives into ties anyways. Vader had the custom tie that had a hyperdrive in it. Uh, and then throughout Rebels, they also talk about their show TIE fighters and ships similar to ties with hyperdrives. I mean, the tech was already around. It just probably became more prevalent. I mean, one of the biggest advantages the Rebel Alliance always had was the fact that all their fighters had hyperdrives. So they didn't have to warp in the capital ships and then deploy all the fighters. All the fighters warped in already deployed, ready to go. That's a huge advantage. And the part that I've looked at as well, I mean, there were 30 years between movies. Who's to say there weren't other Imperial forces that would inspect the wreckage or maybe they tried to set up a base or something like that? You know, it, you can't really just assume that nobody had been to that spot in the last 30 years. It's just nobody came looking for that Wayfinder thing. You know, I, I would think the wreckage of the Death Star would have been fairly common knowledge because it, it would have been all over whatever, however news gets carried in the Star Wars universe. So that that spot would probably be a bit of an attraction for a lot of people and a lot of Imperial troops. Just a thought. Yep. So one thing, though, I do got to say, I started off the movie very, very confused. And not at the Ben Solo going around absolute wrecking and getting the crystal. I did like that they explained away Snoke. Because that was one of those things Ryan Johnson did with episode eight. He was like, oh, who Snoke is is unimportant. It doesn't matter. It's like, no, actually it does. Where did this dark, new dark Jedi come from that's training and leading this unknown forced order that we've never heard of? Like, what the hell is going on here? Well, J.J. Abrams in a quick throwaway scene shows you that Snoke's just some manufactured clone and he's got a vat full of them he can use at any time. All right, cool. That helped explain that. Uh, But what confused me was seeing Rose alive. I guess I was so angry by the end of eight that I blocked out a scene of Finn put like laying a blanket over her on the Falcon when they're escaping. Cause I've literally this entire time thought she died. 
So all of a sudden she's standing there alive, and I'm like, what? But she died. And the last time I recall seeing her was that infamous, uh, oh, we, we win because we save who we love or so, something like that. And I think that was the last time I remember calling. But, well, I, I think, now that I think about it, I think there was an establishing shot there was, on, the, yeah. Yeah, on, on the Falcon. You're thinking the same thing I did. She's like, and what's regarded as one of the stupidest scenes, he was about to sacrifice his life to save so many people. And then you went and sacrificed your life to save him. We win because we, like, it made no damn sense. You just did what he did, but on a much smaller scale. There is actually a scene then later when they're escaping on the Falcon where he's actually, where he, Finn has put her in her bed and he's covering her with a blanket. And it's also the same scene where they show that Ray had took the Jedi texts. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's just, as I said, I don't remember that because I was probably just that frustrated with the movie by that point. Yeah. Jeez. Well, <laughs> yeah. I think probably the best way I can sum up how the movie flowed First off, the, I think the reason why it felt so much, much like an actual Star Wars movie is because we finally got all three characters together in the same place. You notice they have that camaraderie, you know, when Ray's like, I have to do this alone, and then they all gather around saying, no, we have to do this with you. That should have been like going into the second act of the second film, because you notice Poe doesn't even meet Ray until one of the final scenes in Last Jedi. So they don't even have interacting together all at once until this movie. You know, that, that I think is... You know, th- that's, that's the big difference between this one and the classic trilogy is because, you know, there were two movies. That, there was, you know, A New Hope, obviously, they had all three of them together for the, the second and third acts. And then, yes, they were separated in Empire for a bit, but they reunited in Jedi. So... It felt like a reunion. This just kind of felt like, ah, we're finally all together. Yeah, Poe literally met yeah. her in the final scene of her. She's lifting the rocks to uncover the escape route, and he's just like, oh, who's this? <laughs> mm-hmm. He'd never seen her until then. Well, Norco, anything that uh, that you liked or didn't like or anything to add on to what we've been talking about here? Uh, I forget, I, I, you mentioned this a few minutes ago, and I, I, I wanted to mention it, but my other thought came into my mind at the time. So, But I have to ask, you, said, you mentioned Endgame. Did you? Did anybody else get an Endgame feel when Poe was like about to lose hope, and then you had the the, the oh, rest yeah. of the resistance showing up? <laughs> you know, yeah. I didn't even think about it, but you're absolutely right. That is totally Captain America standing there trying to go mano a mano with Thanos, and all of a sudden you hear on your left. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that was a hundred percent that sequence. You're absolutely mm-hmm. right. But that's you know kind of. Storytelling 101, you know, it's when hope looks to be at its bleakest that the, you know, the Calvary comes. Right. Which I, which, as I said at the start of all this, I try to avoid trailers, but I, I, you knew they were coming because the problem was I did see at least one trailer where there's a scene of Lando and Chewie flying the Falcon together. And you're at this point in the movie and you haven't seen that. And you're like, all right, Lando's going to show up with a bunch of reinforcements. I mean, you pretty much (laughs) kind of do that anyways. Um, That also ruins... As you had said before the show started there, Norco, what you considered one of the saddest scenes, I kind of just washed it off. So I was like, well, we haven't seen one of the scenes from the trailer yet, so we know everything's right fine here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I know that you're right. That was uh, that was Endgame on your left uh, levels. Of- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it would have been funny if Lando would have been able to say that, you know, but that that would be that yeah, just kind of be too out there, obvious. I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah that, would have been, that would have caused some issues with everyone. <laughs> Although I did enjoy seeing uh, Wedge finally make his appearance. 
Yeah, yeah. Finally, James Bat comes back as a gunner on the Falcon. Yeah, and, which, and my understanding is he actually turned down Episode Seven, so it does make me wonder what what changed between Episode Seven and Episode Nine that might have changed his mind. But I guess that's a question for Gun uh, Slauson. Uh, he actually did an interview on that, and I remember reading it. And you're right; he did turn down Seven. I just don't remember why and what made him finally want to come back. Um, the wedge thing was kind of funny though, because after I saw the movie, my dad actually managed to get out and see this before me. So I texted him. I was like, "Hey, finally saw Star Wars." He's like, "What'd you think?" Blah blah. He was like, "I feel like they're kind of just throwing people in there just for nostalgia's sake at the end." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, but that's because they also wrote themselves into a corner with Episode Seven. Episode Seven, years later, Republic's established. Everyone's happy. Everyone's won the war. Oh, there's this new First Order. But apparently, they're exactly like the Empire. But all the old freedom fighters could give two shits and don't want to do anything about it. Apparently, because that makes sense." Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, yeah, they kind of had to introduce him because everyone spent this entire time going, Wedge isn't involved, Lando's not involved, Han's not involved. Like, why is everyone we know not involved with fighting this? It's only apparently like Leia and, Ma- and uh, Admiral Akbar that actually decide to fight back and lead everyone. Yeah. Or the uh, who was the character that was played by uh, Freema? I forget I her name was, but she was, she was in a David Tennant uh, season of doctor who she was in it martha for very Jones. yeah she was martha i think i i she was like one of leia's aides or something like that but um one thing yeah. Yeah, another thing i think they definitely have hinted is other spin-offs which i'm assuming were probably going to be for disney plus and such i mean there's at least three or four i mean the thing with lando and uh what was her name hannah uh you know the 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 uh, other stormtrooper where they had that line about you know where do you come from and she's like i don't know and lando's like well well why don't we find out i mean that sounds like it's a setup for for a series i i said before i i love the idea of maybe doing like a young lando calrissian chronicles or something like that where it starts out with billy d uh in some situation and then he's like ah he's reminded of something ah this reminds me of the time back at tanab or whatever and then it flashes back and then it becomes donald glover you know, that would um, actually be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I can I, see I, that. Yeah. I also want to see a series now about Ray's parents. Because, I mean, how, how does Palpatine's son exist? Like, you know, how does he keep a low profile? Uh, Probably because Palpatine may have never even made it known he had a child. I mean, this is Palpatine we're talking about. He managed to hide the fact he was a Sith Lord from the Jedi Council while talking to their face. Mm-hmm. I don't doubt his ability to have a mistress somewhere that he's had a child with and managed to keep that child secret from everyone. And probably most of all, I, I think I'd be all over a Zori Bliss TV series with uh, with Carrie Russell. I mean, I don't I don't know why you hire a gal that looks like Carrie Russell and put her in a mask for the entire movie, but you know, okay, I, that's that's <laughs> a big complaint. I have to agree with. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. That that's. Yeah, she opens the mask up, and I see the eyes, and I'm looking at that going, I recognize those. I recognize that. Pro- Who the hell is that? Why is this so familiar? So I'm looking at the credits. I'm like, oh, that was Carrie Russell. Then I have to see the name next to Zuri. just saw the name Carrie Russell. I was like, that was Carrie Russell. But it seems like I'm not alone in that, that she could probably carry her own Disney Plus series, right? Uh, possibly. Uh, we'd have to see what they do. It's not like she had a lot of screen time or character development in this film. She was more or less just there to reveal some backstory on Poe right. in this sense. You could probably do like an anthology with some of these characters. Yeah. Maybe not full on series, but you know, a couple of 
arcs here and then somehow link it all together. Yeah. I mean, do like, uh, I mean, uh, what I, if anything, it could be like uh, what Poe was doing prior to joining the Resistance. Might become a little too Han Solo-y from the sounds of it, but since he was apparently a spice smuggler, mm-hmm. that sounds familiar. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they definitely were making him the Han Solo of the, the new trilogy. You know, even yeah. if even if he was rebel or resistance the, the the whole time. So as far as like an overall arc, like if you had to give it a, a, a grade, I mean, I, I know the thing we all seem to do after every Star Wars movie comes out is we, we rank them. And I put mine, I, it was middle of the pack. I think I had mine at, I had nine at around Rogue One, which would have put it uh, above seven, but below three, because I have mine as the original trilogy are the top three, then Revenge of the Sith, and then discounting Rogue One, I'd have nine in fifth. I mean, I don't know if you guys ranked yours like I did, but uh, uh, Andrew, I think I, I think you'd, you'd already told me what your ranking was, right? I actually I've pulled it up here because I did post it yesterday after processing for a bit. Mine is literally dead center of the pack for this. Mm-hmm. I got four, five, three, six, Rogue One as my top five then nine, and then seven, one, solo, two, and eight as the bottom five. Okay. So this or, uh, this was literally middle of the pack for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sounds like we're in agreement there. Uh, Norco, did you have a ranking for yours? or Mine's, uh, with the, I didn't, I haven't done a ranking yet, but if I had to rank it, I would put it, I don't know, top five, top six, mm-hmm. around, like you, like you, Seth, around Rogue One. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the only thing I would, I mean, it's the original trilogy, for me, for me, it's the original trilogy, right? And I'll be the ra- I'm the rare one that's going to say I like Jedi better than uh, Empire, mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah, Rogue One and uh, this one. Yeah, okay, yeah, because I'm I'm probably overall like a a minus type, but I don't know. We'll we'll see after repeated viewings because uh, that's the one thing I can say about Last Jedi is I think it's the only Star Wars movie I've watched that seemed to go down after repeated viewings instead of instead of go up and i still like i've said before about last jedi i'll defend it where it needs defending because i think there are redeeming qualities of it but Mm -hmm. it's it's in last place but i still i still like it you know it's just i'm a star wars fan i'm biased to star wars you know so that's i I freely admit that i uh (laughs) i walked out of last jedi and i couldn't believe i was actually saying there was a star wars film i disliked more than two like i like and I don't even consider two a bad film. I just consider it a not so good Star Wars film. And the eight, it's it's not just it's a bad Star Wars film. I just felt it was a bad film in general. Like hey, no matter how much I love Star Wars, my son's middle name is Revan. Uh, I just can't. <laughs> yeah. I, I just can't. Eight just pissed me off. That was I wow. It was, it was horrible. I enjoyed Last Jedi, but. You know, I guess I, I'm in the minority on this one too because a lot of other people, I'm, you know, other people hated it just as much as you did, and like, but I loved it. The only one I haven't seen, I have to admit, the only one I have not seen of all the Star Wars movies because there is one I have not seen. I have not seen Solo yet. Solo was actually I waited and I saw it on Netflix. It came out too soon after Last Jedi, and there was a lot of stuff going on, so I kind of had to wait for that to hit Netflix. And I mean, for a Netflix viewing, it wasn't bad. It was an yeah. enjoyable adventure film. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. Uh, it. It felt swashbuckling it tied, again. It also okay. tied in some old canon we knew. If you've ever watched Clone Wars, uh, it ties in a lot of stuff from Clone Wars to help bridge the gap somewhat. Uh, I will say that's one thing I've absolutely loved about Rise of Skywalker is the amount of attention to detail J.J. Abrams has put into 
bridging the gap of the entirety of Star Wars up to this point. Uh, Rogue One did it, and now this one's done it too. The Ghost from Rebels is in both those major battles. Mm-hmm. I uh, I don't know how I missed it, because I, I figured there was going to be fleet coming. And so when the fleet was there, it was going to show up and everything. I was going to be watching out. I'm like, is the Ghost going to be here? Is Syndulla still fighting? Is Sharshin, Sabine, and Ezra and all the mad it still... I didn't see it. So afterwards, I went in Google, and I was like, was the ghost in it? It's literally right next to the Falcon when they mm-hmm. warp it. Yeah. Like, I don't know how the hell I missed it. It is sitting right there front and center. I was like, oh, I'm an idiot. <laughs> I missed that. <laughs> uh, the uh, And for me, the most emotional scene that pretty much had me crying in theaters was Ray's Jedi pep talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they got damn near everyone for that i mean there was the obvious everyone could hear yoda they could hear anakin they could Quite hear on, Obi-Wan, yeah. which i was glad they did the crossover of ewan mcgregor and alec guinness again for that mm-hmm. voice they got qui-gon in there but for those who've watched clone wars and rebels ahsoka tano's in there fortunately this also means she's likely dead when last we knew she was still alive mm-hmm. um but beyond that they got mace windu in there they got uh, Adi Galia in there, which that came out of nowhere. Uh, big deal was Ken and Jarrus from Rebels is in there. They got Freddie mm-hmm. Prince Jr. in studio to record some lines for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was also upset because it seems uh, they didn't get Plo Koon or Kit Fisto okay. in there. And I feel like those are two. There's other big Jedi Masters from the Clone Wars era that could have been in there. Because they even got Ayla Secura. Ayla Secura and... Uh, because oh, she was the name? one that's the same species as uh, as Ahsoka, right? With the the no, no, okay. no. You're thinking uh, that's uh, Shakti that you're thinking. Oh, okay. Ayla Secura is the Twi'lek. Okay. Who you see get gunned down in the jungle of uh, Felucia. Okay. It's Felucia. What's the name of the planet? Yeah, I think yeah, that was the, it. yeah. The one that looked like it could have been the set for Honey I Shrunk the Kids. Yes. Uh, um, Kit Fisto, I'm surprised wasn't there because he's well known and well recognized. Plo Koon, I'm absolutely surprised because Dave Filoni is pretty much what's keeping Star Wars afloat. He's been in charge of Clone Wars, more or less. He's been in charge of Rebels. He's in charge of Resistance. He is the head of Lucasfilm Animation. And he's well, he and Jon Favreau are the, four, are the head runners of The Mandalorian, which is killing it right now. Uh, and Plo Koon is his favorite Jedi. He actually made Plo Koon a bigger – because he saw him in Episode 2, became a fan, and so when he was put in charge of Clone Wars, he actually made Plo Koon an even bigger deal in Clone Wars. Plo Koon rescued Ahsoka Tano mm-hmm. as a kid off the streets, so, and he voiced his Plo Koon. So I was shocked that they didn't put Plo Koon in there also since he was also a council member. Dave Filoni is one of your biggest contributors to the Star Wars lore. You don't put his favorite Jedi in there. Like, what? <laughs> But that scene with just all of them, I was like, that's that's how you do it. That's how you bridge the gap. You bring it all in. You're acknowledging everyone who's been following everything. Almost everyone is there, and it was fantastic. Well, Norco, did you have any scenes that choked you up? Oh, the closest one was, uh, like I said, the Chewy fake-out death. I, outside of that, like it was more you know, cheering-on type scenes like where I'm like marking out like a wrestling fan. You know, like 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 the the on your left scene. I'm like, you know, I was like, yeah. Even though I, you know, it felt like Endgame. I was like, you know, yeah. We're like, oh yeah, here we go. Business is about to pick up. Yeah, one one of the few disappointments I had was I was expecting like a 
gathering like you know high school photo or something like that of all the jedi force ghosts but i can also understand again if it's the skywalker saga they did have the thing where ray goes back to the uh, the skywalker homestead so to speak on tatooine which i actually thought was a really good epilogue i thought it was a nice way to to end things and then of course you see uh, luke and leia as, as force goes but the scene that got me the most choked up was the han solo cameo for for two reasons one obviously of course it's a, a han solo cameo right but two things one is it means that the last we see of han solo is not him getting gutted like a fish by his own son and we we get that moment of forgiveness even though i think the way that was shot in Force Awakens is Han was like accepting and forgiving his son for killing him like right there when he puts his hand on his face. But that also means that the last line that Han Solo has in the Skywalker saga is, I know. And there is no more appropriate last line for Han Solo to have than than those words there. So that's what got me choked up about that scene. So uh I guess we'll start to wrap things up here. Is there anything else oh. you guys wanted to talk about? Or? <laughs> there was a couple things, actually. Okay, go for it. Go for it. Um, one, I feel like they did carry Fisher dirty by making her have to have a blue saber. you telling me after all this time? I, I realize she, she's been dead, but I'm pretty sure they had already planned on having her have a saber and everything prior to that. It, did she choose blue? Because I don't feel like she would have chosen blue. I kind of feel like she would have chosen like a pink or a cyan or... Yeah, some some shade of orange, cyan. you know. <laughs> uh, cyan is actually a very important color within the uh, Legends lore, and it's why it pops up in just about every in just about every Star Wars game where you can customize your saber, including the new Jedi Fallen Order game. Uh, cyan blade is actually the blade used by the General, uh, your character in Kotor Two. Oh, okay. okay. Um, the uh, but like I I felt like they did her dirty. I. I I got a feeling they didn't ask her what color she wanted her blade to be. Because at this point, yeah, in the original stuff, you didn't get a real choice, I don't think. Um, it wasn't until Mace Windu that we started having, within the official canon, blade color choices. Uh, but I was glad to see that. I'm pretty sure they probably, I haven't looked, but I'm pretty sure they asked Daisy Ridley what color do you want your saber to be. And I guess she went with yellow. Um, uh I'm glad they also, again, going back to eight with Ryan Johnson doing the whole entire what you want to know is unimportant with the whole entire, oh, her parents are nobodies. It doesn't matter. And it's like, yes, it does, because you guys have, this will get hate from people, you've created an ultimate Mary Sue. Like, we don't know who she is. She's apparently able to just be hinted at that she has the force and she could do things that even a Skywalker had to train years to be able to do. She just does at the drop of a hat. So, yeah, we kind of need to know who she is. Well, Saying she's a Palpatine goes a long way in explaining her abilities with the Force. It still doesn't mm-hmm. erase how just like insanely powerful out the gate she is with it compared to other people, but it, it does. It helped a little. <laughs> yeah, the, the the reason why I didn't like the whole oh well, what if she's a, really is a nobody? Well, they spent several minutes putting the aura of mystery into her background, and if you're conditioning the audience to expect a payoff from something that is teased and the payoff is oh you know it's like dark helmet and and space balls fooled you there's nothing special about her you know (laughs) Uh, you just it it literally is a waste of time to the audience to sit through that and then be told oh there's nothing special about her Nah, that was i said ryan johnson's goal was he pretty much has come out right and said his goal was to subvert expectations with Mm episode eight and all that movie was was oh you wanted to know about this unimportant doesn't matter i'm going to tell this story instead 
Mm. Okay, but this is the stuff that we're intrigued in and brought us back to the movie. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, she's a Palpatine. Okay, it, it helps yeah. explain a little. Just still doesn't erase the fact that she is way too Mary Suey in those first two films. Mm. As far as the cap off of this, uh, capping off the story... I was confused as to why it was called Rise of Skywalker until you get the end there, and it's because she took the name Skywalker. So calling this the end of the Skywalker saga, does that really work if she's now going to go by the name Skywalker? Maybe it's because it's the, uh, you know, or the end the of the Skywalker. Sky- They're just talking the exactly. bloodline. Yeah, maybe, maybe that was it. Because when you think about it, everybody in the Skywalker bloodline is dead at the end of the movie. You know, Leia oh, died. Yeah, know. You know, they're all, so, they're all yeah. gone. They're forest ghosts. <laughs> right. I just remember uh, seeing somebody make the comparison to Titanic when, when Rose got off the Titanic and started going by the last name of uh, DiCaprio. One, so, one night stand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing was they ass-pulled Force Heal. Mm-hmm. I'm so glad that Force Heal is canon now and was introduced as canon first in The Mandalorian, where they used it properly. Baby Yoda uses a Force Heal, and it clearly takes a toll on him because, I mean, you're using the Force to repair a massive wound it takes a lot meanwhile ray once again this goes back to ray being the ultimate she was literally running around and just like yep you're healed you're healed and there's no adverse effects effects to her anytime the only time is there an adverse effect is when ben solo literally uses it to resurrect her and then he dies right yeah i think train had mentioned the same thing in in our review there I know the Force is very deus ex machina, and they've been doing a good job of staying away from insane deus ex machinas. Introducing Force Heal really introduces a lot of problems with huge deus ex machina potential, and Mandalorian did it right. This one didn't. It was definitely way too convenient of mm-hmm. a usage. All right, anything else you wanted to bring up there, Narco? No, I think I'm 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 good. I I enjoyed it. I I you know if I had to give it a thumbs up, I'd give it a thumbs up. A ninety-three, probably on my uh, on a, if you had to actually grade it, yeah, um, top six in my. So I'm I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm I, it it tied everything up very nicely. Uh, one other scene, uh, one other scene that I thought was really neat that uh, you no one really I guess y'all didn't mention, which I'm surprised was Luke getting the the uh, the X-wing from the sea. It just made me think of uh, Empire when he couldn't get it out of the swamp. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh jeez. You're you're right. And in the pre-show I mentioned this. One of the reasons I like I took a while to process on this one after watching it is cuz that third act was just like one emotional gut punch after another. And that's one of them. Like literally after her duel with Ben, you enter the third act of this film and it's just one either reference or wrap up of a storyline after another. So you're right. Luke raising the X-wing the entire time I'm just like He's doing for her what Yoda did for him. He's giving her that spark of hope, that spark of you can do this. I completely forgot about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was another beat that really got didn't tear me up, but it was like, wow, it's it's bring everything full circle, ties everything up nicely. And like I said, I'm happy with the movie. Very yeah. happy. I would I would definitely want to see it again when I had when I have a chance to. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. The second this hits probably Disney Plus first. I'll be probably watching it again because I'm sure there's a lot I missed. It was a good film. They wrapped up the stories nicely. They fixed some of the issues that were created through uh, episode eight and just quick little one-off sequences and scenes. It was just a well-told story. It wraps up the saga we know so that going forward we can start getting new, dealing with new stuff, new stories, new characters. It's, it was a good send-off, a good cap yeah. on it all. Yeah, and now if there are going to be 
further episodes, you know, like in episode 10 or whatever, they got essentially a, a, a clean slate. They, they can go any direction they, they want to go. So I think that will wrap it up here for this secondary review of The Rise of Skywalker. And uh, Andrew, if anybody wants to uh, yell at you about your opinions on The Last Jedi, is there any place they can find you? Or uh, I guess the uh, Wrestling Brother Behind the Squared Circle forum is about the only place they can reach me. I do <laughs> yeah. have... I mean, I have a Twitter. I barely use it. So uh, let me see. I don't even remember the name of that. <laughs> don't even... <laughs> Go ahead. Yell at me at this, uh, <laughs> this uh, service I don't use, please. <laughs> um, I think it's like at Renda, R3ND4W. Yeah, at Renda, except it's R3ND4W because I'm stupid old school gamer where we all typed in leak speak. <laughs> and Norco, if anybody wants to talk to you about Star Wars or wrestling or uh, any, anything else, where can they find you? The bottom line on Twitter. I welcome the conversation. Come at me. If you disagree with it or agree with it, come at me. At least I won't be having to tell, tell people I'm not a rock band from England. <laughs> and, of course, we are at Geekville Radio on Facebook and Twitter. And we, we certainly welcome discussion. And 2020 looks like it's going to be a pretty exciting year to be a geek. That's going to be another episode forthcoming in the Geekville Radio main range here where we're going to preview all the stuff happening in 2020. So, once again, thank you folks for listening, and we'll be back sooner rather than later. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the host and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of geekvilleradio.com, a1-wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved.